Hello, and welcome to the Fit Cookie Nutrition Podcast. My name is Holly Samuel, and I am a registered dietitian and certified personal trainer. And my goal with this podcast is to empower you with nutrition and exercise knowledge from various health and wellness experts and everyday runners to become the best, strongest, fastest, fit cookie version of yourself that you can be. Are you ready? Welcome to the show, friends. I'm so excited to have you here today. In this podcast episode, I wanted to recap my birthday marathon, which if any of you follow me on social media, you've probably heard about my crazy idea that I got two years ago, which was to run 26.2 miles on my 26th birthday on July 26th. (laughs) So if you're a numbers person like me, I'm sure you could see my excitement around this. I had seen someone else do this, actually a couple of other people do this before. Um, and I always thought, oh man, that's cool. You know, I wish I had a birthday on the 26th. And then I was like, wait, I do. <laughs> so the idea was born about two years ago and I jumped right on board for that goal to be accomplished over the weekend when I turned 26. So I wanted to reflect on some things that I did to prepare for that marathon, what my mindset was like and what my goals were going into that race, how I fueled during the race, and also how I recovered and I'm still recovering from that race. Um, and when I say race, it was, you know, it was just me by myself. I had a few friends join me to keep me company, but this was totally, you know, kind of similar to what a virtual race would be like for those of you who are doing any of those in the fall. If you're listening in the future, I am currently recording recording this episode in July of 2020. So we are in the midst of coronavirus pandemic, (laughs) and things are still pretty much shut down. Most of the fall races are out of the question or canceled or have been transitioned to virtual races, including the Boston Marathon. I think Chicago and New York are also canceled. Um, Although I think for New York, you might be able to do a virtual version. And uh, London and, you know, or not London, uh, Berlin and others (laughs) are canceled as well. So, bit of a womp womp year for racing, but that's okay. We will still have a blast with it because for most runners, the process is what they enjoy and not the end destination. But I will admit it's going to be really, really fun (laughs) when races are a thing again. Hopefully in the spring that will start to happen so that this fall we can all get some really good base training in and come out of 2020 stronger than ever. So let's jump right into the episode. So as most of you know, if you're listening, and maybe some of you don't, I'm a registered dietitian um, and also a personal trainer. So a little bit of background on me is that, you know, I am a nutrition expert. I am also a fitness enthusiast. I love running. I love strength training. I grew up riding horses and doing other outdoorsy things. So if it involves movement, I am pretty much on board with it. So before we get into the episode, let's just listen to a message from our sponsor, the Anchor app. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
All right. So let's dive into how I prepared for this and what my mindset was leading up to my birthday marathon. So I've run four different official marathons before. I've done the Maine Coast Marathon, which is where my husband and I got engaged at the finish line. Hard to beat that, not going to (laughs) lie. And also, I'd like to note, had I run um, or had I known that he was going to do that, I would have ran much faster in the last 10K. (laughs) The motivation would have been much higher uh, instead of cursing myself or signing myself up for this and wondering if I'd ever do it again. Uh, Joke's on me because I did it three more times, now four more times, and will definitely be doing it again and again. And then the second two marathons I ran were at the Philadelphia Marathon in 2017 and 2018. It's an amazing race if you have the chance to do the Philadelphia Marathon. I would compare it to like a Chicago or a Boston. It has a really big city feel, but anyone can sign up. And, you know, it's just it's just such a fun race. They do a really nice job. And running up and down Kelly Drive is one of my favorite places in the world to run. I shaved 30 minutes off of my marathon PR at that race, and uh, that's definitely memorable for me as well. My fourth marathon was at the Chicago Marathon, which again, if you have a chance to do it, I mean, the energy there is insane, and they do such a great job um, getting all of those runners through the start and the finish just with the crowd. I mean, the streets are completely lined the entire way. It's amazing. So for my fifth marathon, which was going to be my birthday marathon, my goal was always just to finish, just to complete the distance. Uh, My birthday's in July, so it's very toasty. And back when I had made this goal, we were still living in New Hampshire, and it was even warm there. And now that we live in North Carolina, I knew that the name of the game was just going to be to finish and try to stay a little bit ahead of dehydration. So that's what I did. Basically, um, you know, I trained... I trained a little bit (laughs) leading up to this. Uh, You know, I've completed the distance a couple of times before, so I wasn't too worried if I didn't get all of my long runs in or had to take a little bit more of a flexible approach to training. I've always trained myself for races, so, you know, I I pretty much can listen to what my body needs. Of course, I can always work on that. (laughs) But um, basically, I did a 12, a 14, and one 16-mile long run. Um, which I peaked technically like two weeks before the race with a 32 mile week, which is very low (laughs) compared to the past marathon training cycles I have endured. Actually, 32 miles per week is pretty low for even some of the half marathon training cycles that I've gone through, but that was fine. I felt pretty good that week. And then I did a 12 mile long run the week before the marathon. And basically, just prioritize resting and keeping my body happy the week of the race. Um, because I knew that just like with any taper, you can, there's only a certain time window where you can add more bucks to the bank, so to speak, when it comes to training. And then after a certain point, you're just burning the candle at both ends. So the week before the or the birthday marathon, I definitely prioritized just rest and foam rolling and sleep and making sure my body was ready to go for Sunday. As far as the eating goes, some of you might have followed along on Instagram as I captured what I was eating the days leading up to the race. Um, I didn't change my diet too much throughout the week. I tend to be, you know, I have a pretty balanced intake in terms of I run most of the time. So I tend to always have a diet geared towards running performance, which means that I probably I don't track my food um, and I don't really have a lot of my clients track their food forever either over at Fit Cookie Nutrition. But 
I do believe I eat around probably 40 to 50% of my calories from carbohydrates most of the time, depending on what I'm feeling. So that was pretty standard uh, the, the week leading up to the race. And again, I knew I just wanted to complete this. So, you know, I knew I wasn't going to PR and I wasn't trying to really gear myself towards that. So the only thing I would say that I changed is instead of having like green based salads um, for lunches and some dinners throughout the week, which is probably like three to four times a week, I had like a grain based salad instead um, with quinoa. So it was a little bit more carbohydrate heavy because the week leading up to a marathon, you really want to prioritize um, all of your calories, you know, coming more from carbohydrates and protein, rather than from, you know, fat and fiber, uh, because those things tend to back up digestion for a lot of people, um, or cause GI distress. And some people can get away with, you know, adding some of that in and being totally fine. But others really have to be careful, like the week leading up to a goal race, like a marathon where you're just on your feet for such a long time. So I prioritized carbohydrates, but probably not to the extreme that I normally would, because I knew that this was going to be treated more like a, just a really long duration run, <laughs> um, low and slow, so to speak, instead of like a PR race. So that is kind of what I did for meal prep throughout the week. And then what I did two days before the race was I made sure that my dinner was very um, much like my pre-race dinner, very friendly. So typically two nights out before a marathon or a half marathon, that dinner almost is going to affect you just as much, if not more than the dinner before your race. So I always like to tell my clients, you know, make sure that that dinner is really, you know, you're approaching it in a smart, strategic way. And also if you're sleeping well, the week leading up to the race, it's going to be you know, good, um, because a lot of us don't get a ton of sleep <laughs> the night before a race. At least I know I don't. Um, so as long as you're getting good sleep and good nutrition in that the rest of that week, that's great. Um, so my go-to dinner before a marathon is usually sweet potato, chicken breast, and maybe some sort of vegetable if I want it. Um, if I don't feel like I want it, or if my digestion's been a bit off, I'll just skip the vegetable altogether. Um, so that's what I had two days before that race. Actually, I think I had like regular baby potatoes instead of a sweet potato because that's what looked good at the store, but kind of the same thing there. And also made sure to drink plenty of water. So that was that. And then the day before the race, um, I think I had, or no, two days before the race too for breakfast, I had a bagel, like a really big, like New Jersey style bagel, which is where I'm from. And I take my bagels very seriously. So I had a bagel the size of my face <laughs> and uh, my typical pre-race dinner two days before the marathon. And then the day before the marathon, I got up and I had my typical like oats for breakfast that I would normally have and also had um, like a pretty easily digestible safe lunch that I knew, you know, I would digest well and that would taste good, which was two pieces of Dave's killer bread, which again, if you have a sensitive stomach, that might even be too much fiber and like complexity for you. So doing the white bread or doing some sourdough bread, even if you have a sensitive gut might be helpful. So I did two slices of that with some butter just for a little bit of satiety. And then I also did a cut up nectarine and two eggs just to top off my carbohydrate stores. And I also had a sports beverage, which was a Gatorade with that meal just to help top off some electrolyte and carbohydrate stores as well. Uh, mostly the carbohydrate stores because I just had a regular Gatorade 
which does not have a complete electrolyte profile, but that was fine. <laughs> Just helped with the carbohydrates. And then we actually had company visiting that day. So the rest of my eating schedule was a little bit off. Um, typically, I would eat an early dinner the night before a big race or a marathon or like a really long run over 16 miles just so that I have time to digest it before the morning. I ended up eating like ice cream around five, which actually <laughs> that's one of my secret weapons for my long runs is ice cream. I always tend to have a really good race if I have ice cream the night before. This is going to be TMI, but that's how this podcast is going to go because runners have gut issues <laughs> and ice cream, I think typically helps back me up a little bit kind of like a modium, if you know what I'm saying, so that the next day, it's not like the floodgates are opened. You're welcome for that. <laughs> so I had just a little bit of ice cream, about a third of a cup, very small. And then around like eight o'clock when we got home, I had the rest of the potatoes, chicken and broccoli um, for, you know, the, the dinner the night before, and plenty of water. Um, and I also had a noon tablet, um, in, in my water, one of the beverages, uh, the day before so that I was very well hydrated. I think I had over a hundred ounces of water. I had plenty of electrolytes from a bunch of different sources and also, um, plenty of carbohydrates. So day before the race, I was feeling pretty good. I was feeling like a little puffy <laughs> from eating all of those carbohydrates, but definitely not like over full. And that's really the key guys with carb loading. And if you want a lot more in-depth assessment of this and different examples and different numbers to target, um, I highly recommend you head over to my website, fitcookienutrition.com and download my marathon um, training or my marathon fueling guide that is available for purchase there. It's really in-depth. It's like over 50 pages long and it goes over the entire taper process and how you want to carb load. Um, specifically for your goals, specifically for your gender, you know, kind of your physiology. Um, and also it goes through different fueling plans for the race as well. And I recommend you do that, you know, well before your race so that you can start implementing some of those things during training, because your gut needs to be trained. Um, you can't just, you know, not take in fuel during your training and expect your body to do a good job on race day. It's just, that's not how it works. So a lot of the times you have to really practice, practice, practice with your fueling. It might be pretty bumpy at first. You might, you know, find that you really like certain products and they cause GI distress and then you don't like them anymore. But if you keep working at incorporating them, your body eventually gets used to them. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at now where I've tried so many different things and I've really gritted my teeth <laughs> through some of that process so that if I'm on the race course and there's like, you know, there's maybe I dropped my fuel and there's like random gels or chews at one of the aid stations. I know it's going to better suit me to take those than to skip them because I'm afraid they're going to affect me negatively. So train your gut. If you need individualized assistance with that, working with someone like me one-on-one -on -one can really help you. So what I did the morning of the race. <laughs> so, um, typically for a marathon or a long run even, I would wake up probably two to three hours. For a race, it's more like three to four hours before the start time so that I can eat, rest, digest, go to the bathroom a couple times, maybe eat again, and then get ready to go. Now, again, I knew I was going to be completing this in North Carolina in July. So there was no way I was starting like a typical marathon would at like eight or nine in the morning. Like that was just going to be 
way too much of a game over in terms of the heat. Um, so I knew that I really wanted to start between four and five in the morning so that I would be done before the heat of the day really started to take a toll on me in later miles of the race. Because again, I was doing this to celebrate my birthday. I was not doing this to be a hero. <laughs> um, you know, I just wanted to enjoy the process and I didn't want I didn't want this marathon to beat me up because typically when I train for a marathon and go to race it and, you know, for a personal record time, it really beats me up and it takes me about three months to recover. Um, I never think it's going to take me that long and it always does, (laughs) even if I'm doing quote unquote everything right. So I knew that I didn't want to risk that and starting early in the morning would help me get to where I wanted to be. So that's what we did. So I got up around 3.45 in the morning on my birthday, (laughs) happy birthday to me, and pretty much had water next to my bed. So I drank that before getting out of bed. Then I went downstairs. I made oatmeal. And in hindsight, I don't know what I was thinking. I should have had like toast or some other simple carbohydrate because oats are what I normally have before a long run. So that's where my mindset was on that because my body was very used to it. But oats like take a while to digest. Um, and I hadn't picked up any bananas either. So I put berries in the oats. So there was a lot of fiber happening in my breakfast, which is not something I'd recommend if you're planning to start running like an hour later, which is what I was doing. So I'll tell you more about how that caught up with me later, but I had that for breakfast with plenty of water, a little bit more Gatorade did not digest anything. Uh, (laughs) to be perfectly honest, I was just antsy and I wanted to get going. Um, because I was tired of just waiting around for my stomach to do its thing. If you get up like three to four hours before a race, chances are you're going to have enough distractions where you will go to the bathroom. Um, and that's a good thing to train for in your training and in your long runs as well. But for my birthday, I just wanted to get going. So, um, I knew I was going to keep all of my fuel at our house so that I could just keep doing loops and come back and take some fuel you know, adjust things if I needed to, um, just so that everything would be cold. And so that I wouldn't have to worry about running out of water or carrying a camel back. And I just didn't want to deal with that. So that was my plan. So I said, you know what, whatever, if I have to go to the bathroom, like I'm going to come back anyway. So just got out the door and my husband came with me for most of it, which was amazing. He is my greatest supporter. Um, his name's Connor or hashtag Mr. Fit Cookie. <laughs> and he came with me for most of this. So we went and we did like a four mile loop. Um, and then we actually came back because our company that we had was leaving. I tried to get them to run with me, but they were like, no, you're crazy, <laughs> which is fair. Um, <laughs> and we came back and I was like, all right, weird. Like still don't have to go to the bathroom. Um, took some fuel and kept going. And after my next loop, which was a six mile loop, oh boy, (laughs) Um, definitely needed to use the bathroom. It was a bit eventful and an emergency, but we made it. And uh, then I was pretty good to go for the rest of it. And I knew that if that happened um, during this type of thing, it wouldn't like ruin my run. It was just because I was impatient about my starting time. if you run a lot, you know that there's a difference between like digestive issues that totally ruin your entire run <laughs> and also digestive issues that go away once you just go to the bathroom. So I knew that's what was going to be the case here. So did that, <laughs> went better after that. Um, and then one of my friends from the Charlotte Running Club, Polly, came and did 
I think about five miles with me and Connor and she brought her chocolate lab OB with her, which was amazing to have their company and just learn a little bit more about her as well. So Polly, if you're listening, very thankful for you. (laughs) That was awesome to have you, especially during some like rather boring miles. Um, It was like miles 13 through like 18 of that run that just helped them fly by. So thank you for that. But my plan was going well. So I had a handheld 16 ounce water bottle with me that I kept alternating um, filling with water and um, like half Gatorade, half water. So I was diluting some regular Gatorade. Um, And then the rest of my electrolytes were coming from the rest of my fuel, which was um, the Gatorade uh, like shot blocks. I think they were Gatorade shot blocks. Now I'm saying it, I don't know. But they were the salted margarita and salted watermelon. It was either Gatorade or Cliff shot blocks. Um, and they were extra sodium rich and did not have caffeine in them. Um, I usually do take caffeine later in a marathon because it helps just give me the extra kick that I need. If I find my gut is in good shape, if I find my guts and not in good shape, there's no way I'm adding caffeine to the mix. (laughs) Um, so I was really thankful that for this particular run, I did not have caffeine in the mix, (laughs) which was key. So I took those, I, the, the margarita one was, um, it tasted like a margarita. It was a bit too tequila-y for me, which sounds very strange for running fuel. Um, but I mean, I don't know. They were fine. But the salted watermelon was really good. So highly recommend those. But um, I took some of those and also some honey stinger chews between miles 10 and 11, which again, I recommend starting your fuel closer to the 45-minute mark. Um, but I had some I was waiting to have some gut issues essentially for the first part of the race. So I didn't want to add anything to the equation. And then I promptly caught up with my fueling. So that's typically not something you can do in a race. You can't just catch up on your fueling. Um, So you do want to be really strategic about that. That was one thing that I wish I could have changed um, looking back. But typically you want to start fueling between like the 40 and 50 minute mark. And then every like 45 minutes from there, um, and if it's something like chewable, I like taking it over the course of one mile. It just is a little bit easier to chew. You don't feel like you're choking. You can get some water from an aid station and kind of help flush it down. Um, so that's what I did. I took the chews between the 10 and 11 mile mark, the, um, I think the 16 and 17 mile mark. And then again, at the 20 and 21 mile mark. And then I had some Gatorade in my water bottle for between, which definitely helped just top me off and made my stomach happy. So those are the fuel that I took. And I will say I felt really good. <laughs> Besides the the two bathroom stops I had to make, I felt, I mean, I felt really good. And those, those were just a formality. I mean, I, I think if I had gotten up two or three hours earlier, which would have been like one or two in the morning. So there was no way I was doing that. I wouldn't have even had any bathroom issues um, because I did things how I would normally do them minus the time. (laughs) So uh, I felt really good. So I remember I went out and was like, I'm just going to do like a quick three mile loop before I come back and get water. And then at that point, my husband was going to come with me for the last like 6.2 mile loop. Um, So I came back and I remember thinking, wow, like it's mile 21 and I feel, I feel really good. So like, let's do this. So we finished um, on, you know, the last like five miles, six miles or so. 
And it wasn't, you know, until mile like 24, where some of those like really negative thoughts started to come into my head, like, oh my gosh, I just want to be done. (laughs) Cut my legs off. They really hurt. This is awful. Why am I doing this on my birthday? And what I typically tell my clients, if those ugly thoughts, (laughs) negative Nancy thoughts start coming into your head during a race or even during a workout, try and take some fuel, try and take some hydration, take something because there's usually a very, very good chance that that's what you need. And you might find that those negative voices go away for a little bit, you know, even if it's a mile or so um, after you take your fuel, and then that's just going to get you one more mile closer to your goal. And it can definitely be helpful. So at mile 24, I started to have those negative thoughts. And I mean, mile 24 always stinks (laughs) during a marathon. It's always like, oh my gosh, why, why am I still doing this? Why am I not done yet? So I mean, I thought that was pretty normal. And it was also about 80, like four degrees at that point. And the sun was officially out and it was around like 930. So I was ready, very ready to be done. Very happy I started early. So I hadn't taken quite enough water to really like still have water left by the end of um, the marathon. But I would say I I really did pretty well with that. Um, and that was the point where I started feeling like, man, this doesn't feel super great, but didn't care. Um And I also did something that (laughs) you should never do, Um, but I tried new shoes uh, for the marathon that I had gotten a week prior. (laughs) So I had run in the Hoka Clifton's before, um, like two years ago, and I really liked them. I remember that it was a bit of an adjustment for like the length of my Achilles because they have no drop compared to a very high drastic drop of the the, um, Brooks Adrenalines that I usually run in. But I got the Hoka's ran in them like two or three times before the race. And I was like, I like these, like, I'm going to keep going home and, you know, kind of switching my gear and stuff. So if my shoes start to bother me, I'll just switch these, you know, it's no big deal. Cause my Brooks adrenalines that I had run most of the miles for the training of this in were almost done. Like they were, my feet start to ache in them because they need to, I need to get new shoes <laughs> essentially. So that was going to be my plan, but I ended up running in them the whole time. Um, the only thing that bothered me was that I forgot to, I always have to straight bar lace my shoes on my left foot because I have high arches. And if I don't, um, the tops of my feet get very sore. They almost get bruised from just the type of lacing that shoes traditionally come with. So I straight bar these, which if you need a tutorial on this, um, just you know, shoot me a message on Instagram, which is at fit cookie nutrition, or just send me an email and I can give you a tutorial on how to do that. Um, but I forgot to do that. So I think around the 10 mile mark, I was like, Oh, I forgot to do that. That's why my foot hurts. So I relaced them and it got better. Um, and that's the only thing that's really sore still. And it's not, it's really not that sore. (laughs) I'm being dramatic, but that was literally the only thing that kind of like bothered me on my body besides just overall fatigue. So I'll call that a win, (laughs) but don't wear new shoes on race day, guys. Don't do that. Do as I say, (laughs) not as I do. Um, but that's basically how my marathon went. So we turned the corner past our apartment and we um, had about, you know, 0.2 to go and we really booked it in. My last mile was my fastest, which isn't saying much, you know, my, my, all of my miles were about two minutes slower than my typical marathon pace would be, which was on purpose. Um, but I negative split the rate, like the, the run. So I'll call that a win, especially in a dew point over 70 in the summer in North Carolina. So 
that's how my race went. If you're still here and you're still like, wow, you're crazy. Um, <laughs> I get it, but it was really cool. I mean, it was really cool to say I did my fifth marathon, you know, it was 26.2 miles on my 26th birthday on July 26th. And I had my husband there almost the whole time. He ran 18 miles with me, which is, I think the furthest he's ever run, which is amazing. Um, and he didn't feel super great that day either. So it's very proud of him. And also, um, you know, then we got to do whatever we wanted the rest of the day because it was only 10 a.m. But how I recovered from that was I made sure to get plenty of carbohydrates and protein, plenty of fluids immediately after. Um, and I also <laughs> was able to get on a foam roller. Uh, if you've ever run a marathon before, and maybe it was like your first or second one, or it was a marathon that you were really racing. So you were really, really like gassed, exhausted tank, totally empty at the end. You'll think, oh my gosh, how did you get on a foam roller <laughs> after? But again, my, my legs really didn't start to get sore until the last 10 K. So this is more like a long run for me. So I got on the foam roller and I really feel like that's why my legs aren't extra sore today because I, and I'm recording this on the next day. Uh, cause I wanted to be fresh for you guys, <laughs> but I mean, I was able to run up and down the stairs today with pretty minimal soreness. So that's pretty cool, but made to, you know, really replenish myself in terms of hydration. So I don't own a scale because I don't believe in scales. Um, and I've had a bad history of, of weighing myself and, you know, connecting that to any kind of self-worth. So I don't own a scale. I've never, I never have, um, besides, you know, when I lived in my parents' house and, you know, if I were to weigh myself, how to calculate your sweat rate would be, you would want to weigh yourself like before and after your run with no clothes on. Um, and whatever you lose, which some people won't lose much weight when they run, but in the summertime, you're probably going to lose some weight. So per pound lost, you want to drink 16 ounces of fluid to replenish after. Um, so I think had I, I think had I weighed myself before and after this marathon, there would have been quite a difference. Um, even though I was really good about hydrating, I took, I took in like probably almost 80 ounces of fluid the whole time, which for me is pretty good. Um, but you know, I, I still drank about a hundred ounces of water <laughs> throughout the rest of the day and, you know, urine was still pretty dark. So, um, I think I did the best I could, but I am still drinking a lot of water today. <laughs> the next day made sure to take in pr plenty of carbohydrates and protein, which is usually like a three to four, um, to one ratio. So three to one or four to one ratio of carbohydrates would be the three to four. And then protein would be the one. And those are in terms of grams. So for example, if you wanted, you typically want to have about 20 grams of protein after a workout or a run, um, especially if it was over like 60 minutes long. So if 20 grams of protein is what you're going for, you would want to have 60 to 80 grams of carbohydrates. So for me, that looked like a bagel. <laughs> had another bagel with some cream cheese and a protein shake. So took in plenty and had a really nice rest of my birthday. Um, but I hope you guys found this helpful. I am not sure, to be honest, what my goals are for the rest of the year. I knew I wanted to complete this. My husband and I had talked about doing the Charlotte Marathon or Half Marathon later this year in November, but I'm honestly not sure if that's going to happen now that a lot of other races in November have been canceling. So kind of just taking this year to reflect, build some strength. Um, one thing I am excited to start working on more is building some speed, like in the terms of short 
intervals because that's never something I've really worked at. And I think I could bring my 5K and mile time down quite a bit to match my marathon time. Um, if you were to look at like a comparison um, in, in pace and what I should be capable of, definitely haven't even touched that. So I think that might be something that I work on because running a virtual 5K or mile race sounds a lot more fun than doing a virtual marathon where I'm trying to actually race it. <laughs> so I think that might be on the docket or maybe some trail races. I don't really know, but if you're like me and you're feeling a little lost this year, a really good place to start would be focusing on, you know, getting your whole body strong, taking care of any sort of nagging injuries, looking into your nutrition. If you have any sort of nagging injuries, that's one of the signs of underfueling. So you have an injury that just like won't heal um, or multiple stress fractures or just like nagging little injuries like hamstring strains or plantar fasciitis or just little little aches and pains. Um, underfueling can be, you know, something that you're experiencing if that is something that is affecting you. So to learn more about working with me one-on-one, um, you are welcome to head over to my website, fitcookingnutrition.com and set up a free discovery call just so we can chat more about your goals, um, see if we're going to be a good fit. And then of course, go over, you know, what's included in my various programs and services. And if that would be the right thing for you. So I really hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. My goal is to bring other guests on in the future and also discuss more running topics like pre-workout nutrition, post-workout nutrition, during workout nutrition, um, you know, overuse injuries and electrolytes and hydration and what to do if you're female and in your, you're in a certain phase of your cycle and that kind of thing. So got a lot of ideas, guys. So let me know if you have anything that you want me to go more in depth on. And again, you're welcome to head over to my website, fitcookienutrition.com or follow me on Instagram, which is at fitcookienutrition and send me messages there. But until next time, happy running.